Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let me ask you to give me your attention. This past week, I ran across some quotes by some well-known people, some alive and some dead, but godly people, and what they had to say concerning the Holy Spirit. You know, if you've been with us, you know we've been doing a study on the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, listen to what these writers have to say. This one's by an author. His name is Richard Wilton. It says, come, holy dove, descend on us, rule o'er my soul with patient love, till all my being owns thy mild dominion. Spirit of grace, reveal in me my Savior, that I may gaze upon his mirrored face till I reflect it in my whole behavior. John Stott said this, there is no need for us to wait as the 120 had to wait for the Spirit to come. For the Holy Spirit did not come on the day of Pentecost or did come on the day of Pentecost and has never left the church. Our responsibility is to humble ourselves under his sovereign authority to determine not to quench him, but to allow him his freedom. For then our churches will then manifest those marks of the Spirit's presence. A.W. Tozer, he spelled this out in capital letters. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not enthusiasm. He is not courage. He is not energy. He is not the personification of all good qualities like Jack Frost is the personification of cold weather. Actually, the Holy Spirit is not the personification of anything. He is a person, the same as you are a person. But not material substance, he has individuality. He is one being and not another. He has will and intelligence. He has hearing. He has knowledge and sympathy and ability to love and see and think. He can hear. He can speak, desire, be grieved, and rejoice. He is a person. Ken Hutchison said, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it wasn't dynamite, it was dynamo. Dynamite makes a loud noise and kicks up a lot of dust, and it's over. A dynamo is a continual source of power. It builds and builds and builds, and the power never stops flowing. J.B. Phillips said, Every time I say I believe in the Holy Spirit, we are saying we believe there is a living God able and willing to enter human personality and change it. Oswald Chambers Immediately, the Holy Spirit comes in us as light and life. 
He will chase through every avenue of our minds. His light will penetrate every recess of our hearts. He will chase his light through every affection of our souls and make us know what is sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Man does not. Richard Halverson said, If a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, his witness will not be optional or mandatory. It will be inevitable. I like that. A lot of good quotes from some people who really understood the person, the power, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. Well, that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the last time we were together, we looked at the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the gift of faith, and the gift of healing. Now, if you want to see a comprehensive list of the gifts of the Spirit, if you're taking notes, write this down. Ephesians chapter 4, you will find the gifts of the Spirit, and also in Romans chapter 12. So Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a comprehensive list of the gifts of the Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to pick up with Three more gifts we're going to talk about this morning, the working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, and the gifts of discerning of spirits. The working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of discerning of spirits. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sure you're there by now, let's pick up in verse 4 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. If you're there, there saints, say a hearty amen. Ah, oh, that was weak, you guys. If you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. Very good. In verse 4, there are diversities of gifts. Paul the apostle writing to the church at Corinth. There are diversity of gifts, but it's the same spirit. And there are diversities of ministries, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. You see, if you're a Christian, you're in each, right? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of most of the people in the church. Is that what it says? No. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the profit of all. For to one, in verse 8, is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, notice, the word of knowledge, we talked about these last week. If you weren't here, pick up the tape, the CD, through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Now, I find it interesting. I think you will too. Did you see the S? Plural. Discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. We'll talk about that next week. I wanted to do a detailed study on that. But one in verse 11, and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Stop right there. Give me your attention. This past week, actually, I think it was this week or last week, a lady called. And, you know, I 
I answered the phone. And I generally don't answer the phone. So the phone rang, and I pick it up. Hello, Calvary Chapel. That's my phone voice. Hello, Calvary Chapel. Um, Cap, is this Pastor Ronnie? Yes, it is. What are you doing answering the phone? I don't know. So she says, well, now, I was just, you know, I was just wondering, because apparently she saw my picture online or whatever she, she knew of me. And, 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 she, and she says, well, I was just wondering if, if this church is a charismatic church. So I'm wondering, this, this church, do you guys speak in tongues and prophecy and all the gifts of the Spirit? Are you guys charismatic church? And I said to her, well, absolutely. And she said, oh, okay, good. And then she hung up and she apparently is going to come and visit. And I hung up the phone and I thought to myself, I said, you know, God wants his church to be a charismatic church. Now, we are not charismaniacs, but we are charismatic. The word charismatic means gifts. So, yes, we are a charismatic church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit operating in the church today. And not only do we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but we also believe that without the gifts of the Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit in the church, the church becomes powerless, impotent, and retarded and ineffective for the kingdom of God. You have to believe in the gifts of the Spirit. One, the Bible teaches it, and true, and two, it is needed. We need the work of the Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit to work in and through our lives and in our ministries. And without that, we are helpless. You see, the power of the Spirit working in the church, the Bible teaches that we are living stones. Each one of us are living stones, and each one of us has a gift. And as each one of us who are living stones with the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says that we are fitly framed together. I love this picture. We are fitly framed together as living stones. Now, sometimes stones rub each other the wrong way. Amen. But we're living stones, and as we rub together, we smooth each other out. And we become a holy habitation for God to dwell in. God dwells in the church and among his people. And God moves in the church among his people through the gifts of the Spirit. So most certainly, we're a charismatic church. We need the gifts. And that's why we're doing a study on the gifts, because we need the power of the Holy Spirit through the gifts of the Spirit to work in the church. And that is what makes us a living organism. Listen, the church is not an organization. Contrary to popular opinion, The church is not an organization to be board-led and board-run and board-directed. The church is a living organism. And we're a living organism because God, the living God, dwells among us. And so we need the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about, as I said, over the last several weeks. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith and healing, we've already talked about. This morning, we pick up with the working of miracles. The working of miracles. Now, this is when, here's the definition here. This is when the Holy Spirit overrides the natural laws as we know them and does what is humanly impossible. This is when the Holy Spirit overrides natural laws as we know them 
and does what is humanly impossible, the working of miracles. In the Bible, there are so many miracles listed in the Bible, we would be here till 12 o'clock tonight discussing them all. There's so many miracles in the Bible. Why? Because God, our God, is a God of miracles. God does miracles. God is still doing miracles. You know what the greatest miracle is? The greatest miracle to me is the gift of salvation. If you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. The greatest miracles. Can you believe it? I can't for the life of me imagine why God would save you. It's unreal. I can't believe it. I can't believe why God would save me. You, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I got to say amen too. I mean, I was, I was trying to think of something, but it uh, didn't come quick enough. It just didn't happen. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. Why would God save us? You know, when you really know yourself, you know, the world is saying you need to know yourself and, you know, build your self-esteem and love yourself. And, you know, when I look at myself, I get depressed. (laughs) I mean, when I really, really look at myself, I get depressed. I don't don't feel better. I feel worse because I know how wretched I am. I know what I was like January 22nd, 1982. I got saved January 23rd. I know what I was like. I know what my heart was like. I know what my heart is like even still today. And yet we serve a God who loves people anyway, despite what you're like, because he knows what you're like better than you know what you're like. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God sees the ugliness of men's hearts. God sees what's going on in the world today. God sees the sin in the world. And we look at the news and we're horrified because this child was stolen and this rape happened and this murder happened. And what is going on in the inner cities and in our country? God sees all that. See, all we see is the local news. We only see what WRAL tells us to see. But God sees it all. The Bible says that God sees you. Like your glass, he sees right through your heart. And God knows. And then yet God knows all of that and he saved us. And he sent his son to die for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. Even though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you, but that's an incredible miracle. I don't know. I couldn't send my son to die for a Christ-rejecting sinful world. I couldn't send Rodney Jr. to die for people who, doesn't, who don't love Rodney Jr. I probably couldn't send him to die for people who did love him. That's me. God's ways are higher than my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Who can know them? Why, God, would you send your son to die for a sinful world? Talk about a miracle. That's a miracle. We could talk all night, all day about that. And the Bible's full of miracles. Who can think of miracles and not think of the book of Exodus? Oh, you remember the story. You know the story well. Moses was sent to the Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. And God told Moses he's going to do signs and wonders before Pharaoh to prove to Pharaoh that Moses was actually sent by God. And so Moses goes into the Pharaoh, uh, to the Pharaoh, 
and he throws down his rod. You know the story. And the rod turns to a snake. That's cool. That's cool. The rod turns to a snake. And then Moses does some more miracles. As he calls forth frogs and lice, turns the water to blood. And Pharaoh decided to let the people go. And so the people are going out of Egypt. And while the people are going out of Egypt, he changes his mind. And he says, I don't think I'll let the people go. And so he sends his army in hot pursuit against to capture the children of Israel. Well, they get to the Red Sea and the Red Sea's before them. They're literally stuck between a rock and a hard place because the Red Sea is before them. There's a mountain on the left. There's a mountain on the right. And the, and the Pharaoh's army is in hot pursuit behind them. And, and Moses, you know the story, he takes his rod, he holds it up over the waters, and he parts the Red Sea. And the people of God go through on dry ground. And Pharaoh's army, they follow them on dry ground. The people of God get to the other side. Had you ever thought about this? Not one of God's people perished as they were leaving Egypt. Not one. In other words, look at this miracle. The last person that God knows got to the other side, got on, you know, land, And then the waters come crashing down on Pharaoh's army. Unbelievable miracle. Now, there are those theologians, smart guys, theologians, who say that the Red Sea really didn't part. They say that it was actually the Reed Sea where the people of Israel crossed over. And it's in the area of the Reed Sea, they say, that the waters was only an inch and a half deep. And they say that the wind came blowing through at just the right time to blow the waters back, as if the children of Israel really needed the wind to come and blow the waters back, and it's just an inch and a half of water. But okay, fine. The waters, the wind came through just the right time, blew the inch and a half of water back, and the people of God crossed through on dry ground. So it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea, they say. That's stupid. Is that not dumb? That's just dumb. These are theologians now. That's just dumb. And not only that, but think about it. If, in fact, that were true, then it was even greater miracle because all of Pharaoh's army drowned in an inch and a half of water. (laughs) Amen? So so God knew that these theologians were going to come up with this nonsense. Hello? And God defeated their vain thinking anyway. Miracle after miracle, you know the people of God, they got through the Red Sea. They entered the wilderness where they continue to experience God's miracles. Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years, the Bible says. Now, I've got an 18-year-old son at home. I wish that would happen in my home. You know, those Nikes get expensive. Their shoes didn't wear out. God, God provided food, manna from heaven, water from a rock. The miracles continue. You know, the story is the people of God marched around the city of Jericho and the walls came a tumbling down. I like to say it like that. The walls came a tumbling down. Awesome miracle. Joshua's 24 hour long day when the sun stood still. Who can forget Gideon fighting thousands of the Midianite soldiers with 300 men? The odds are 450 to 1, and Israel prevailed. That's a miracle. Samson, he killed a lion with his bare hands and literally brought the house down on the Philistines when he received supernatural strength. And then who can forget the tag team preaching of Elijah 
and Elisha. These boys were miracle maniacs. They were miracle maniacs. You remember the story, Elijah prayed for rain to stop, and James tells us that it didn't rain for three years. And then he prayed for the rain to begin again, and it did. And of course, Elijah, one of my favorite Bible stories, Elijah on Mount Carmel. Oh, you know that story. Elijah's on Mount Carmel with 450 prophets of Baal, and they're having a contest. It's like, ding, ding. Elijah in one corner, the 450 prophets of Baal in the other corner. And they're having a contest, and the prophets of Baal, they're calling out to their God. And they're cutting themselves, and their God's not answering. And so Elijah, Elijah liked to mock people. He was a jokester. And, you know, I, mocking is spiritual. Did you know? It's in the Bible. And so Elijah's mocking them. He's standing back, ha, 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 where are your gods? Ha, ha, ha. And then he says, oh, well, maybe they're on vacation. Ha, 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 ha. Maybe they're using the bathroom. Ha, 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 where are your gods? Call on your gods. And they couldn't. They were cutting themselves and trying to get their god to answer and come down and consume the sacrifice. And he couldn't get their attention. Because their gods, like David said, they have ears, but they cannot hear. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have mouths, but they can't talk. They've got hands, but they can't feel. They're false gods. Well, Elijah, he calls on the one, the true, the only God. He calls out the God, and God sends fire down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. Awesome story. It was a miracle. And, of course, you fast forward to the New Testament Jesus continued to do miracles throughout his ministry. And then he told his disciples, he said, I want you guys to go out and do miracles too. He said, I want you to go out and heal the sick and and raise the dead and cast out demons in my name. And disciples, they went out doing what Jesus told them to do. And they came back and they were all excited. And they said, Jesus, we're really excited. We were doing what you told us to do, and it worked. It really worked. And then Jesus said to them in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. In other words, Jesus says, don't rejoice in miracles. Miracles are cool. Miracles testify to the power of God. But don't rejoice in miracles and don't look to the miracles, but rather look to the God of the miracle. Look to God who has written your name in heaven. That's what's important. Now, there are a lot of people who say, we need to get back to the book of Acts. We hear a lot of talk about the miracles as recorded in the book of Acts. We need to be an Acts church. Get back to the book of Acts. And they're talking about that from the standpoint of all the miracles that's recorded in the book of Acts. And, but if you say, let's get back to the book of Acts, do you see all the persecution in the book of Acts? Oh, no, brother, we're not talking about that. We're just, just the miracles, baby, just the miracles. Did you know the book of Acts is written over a 30-year period? And there are approximately 30 miracles recorded in the book of Acts. Now that averages out to one miracle per year. That's not a lot. Not a lot. 
One miracle per year. Now, unfortunately, what we see today in many television ministries is one miracle every 30 seconds. Oh, man, they've got conventions and crusades and all of these kinds of things of come and, you know, get a miracle and get your healing and all of these other kinds of things that we see going on in the church today. Please don't misunderstand me. Please understand we serve a God of miracles. I said that and showed you that in the scriptures. We serve a God of miracles. And God does do miracles. And God uses his people and bestows upon them this gift of miracles. Notice again in your Bibles, the manifestation, that word means the outshining or the visible presence. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. In other words, God will cause this gift or send this gift of miracles upon your life because God sees that there is a person that he wants to sovereignly touch their lives and sovereignly heal them and sovereignly raise them up. And so this gift of miracles is given to you for the moment like Peter when he saw the the man at the gate called Beautiful and Peter while he was begging for money. And Peter walked up to the man and he looked at the man and the man looked at Peter. And I'm sure that Peter saw that guy like a hundred times. He would go that way every day. And so Peter, this one day, this one day, Peter looked at the man. The man looked at Peter. The man's begging for money. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he took the man's hand and he rose up and he walked. Therein is the gift of miracles. God chose to heal that man at the gate called beautiful. Nothing was supernaturally spiritual about Peter's hands. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.